are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. The history of biology traces the study of the living world from ancient to modern times. Although the concept of biology as a single coherent field arose in the 19th century, the biological sciences emerged from traditions of medicine and natural history, reaching back to ancient Egyptian medicine and the works of Aristotle and Galen in the ancient Greco-Roman world. This ancient work was further developed in the Middle Ages by Muslim physicians and scholars such as Avicenna. During the European Renaissance and the early modern period, Biological thought was revolutionized in Europe by a renewed interest in empiricism and the discovery of many novel organisms. Prominent in this movement were Vesalius and Harvey, who used experimentation and careful observation in physiology and naturalists such as Linnaeus and Buffon who began to classify the diversity of life and the fossil record as well as the development and behavior of organisms. Microscopes revealed the previously unknown world of microorganisms 
laying the groundwork for cell theory. The growing importance of natural theology, partly a response to the rise of mechanical philosophy, encouraged the growth of natural history. Over the 18th and 19th centuries, biological sciences such as botany and zoology became increasingly professional scientific disciplines. Lavoisier and other physical scientists began to connect the animate and inanimate worlds through physics and chemistry. Explorer naturalists such as Alexander von Humboldt investigated the interaction between organisms and their environment and the ways this relationship depends on geography. Laying the foundations for biogeography, ecology, and ethology. Naturalists began to reject essentialism and considered the importance of extinctionism and the mutability of species. Cell theory provided a new perspective on the fundamental basis of life. These developments, as well as the results from embryology and paleontology, were synthesized in Charles Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection. The end of the 19th century saw the fall of spontaneous generation and the rise of germ theory of disease, though the mechanism of inheritance remained a mystery. In the early 20th century, the rediscovery of Mendel's work led to the rapid development of genetics by Thomas Hunt Morgan and his students. And by the 1930s, the combination of population genetics and natural selection in the Neo-Darwinian synthesis. New disciplines developed rapidly, especially after Watson and Crick proposed the structure of DNA following the establishment of the central dogma and the cracking of the genetic code, biology was largely split between organismal biology, the fields that deal with the whole organisms, and groups of organisms, and the fields related to cellular and molecular biology. 
by the late 20th century. New fields like geonomics and proteomics were revising this trend with organismal biologists using molecular techniques and molecular and cell biologists investigating the interplay between genes and the environment as well as genetics of natural populations of organisms. The word biology is formed by combining the Greek bio, meaning life, and the suffix logi, meaning science of, knowledge of, or study of. The term biology, in its modern sense, appears to have been introduced independently by Thomas Beddoes in 1799 and Carl Friedrich Burdock in 1800. The word itself appears in the title of Volume 3 of Michael Christoph Hanos' Philosophy Naturalis Civ Physician Dogmaticare, published in 1766. Before the word biology, there were several terms used for the study of animals and plants. Natural history referred to the descriptive aspects of biology, though it also included mineralogy and other non-biological fields. From the Middle Ages, through the Renaissance, the unifying framework of natural history was the Scala Natura, or Great Chain of Being. Natural philosophy and natural theology encompassed the conceptual and metaphysical basis of plant and animal life dealing with the problems of why organisms exist and behave the way they do, though these subjects also included what is now geology, physics, chemistry, and astronomy. Physiology and botanical pharmacology were the province of medicine. Botany, zoology, and in the case of fossils, geology, replaced natural history and natural philosophy in the 18th and 19th centuries, before biology was widely adopted. To this day, botany and zoology are widely used, although they have been joined by other subdisciplines of biology 
such as molecular biology. The earliest humans must have had and passed on knowledge about plants and animals to increase their chances of survival. This may have included knowledge of human and animal anatomy and aspects of animal behavior, such as migration patterns. However, the first major turning point in biological knowledge came with the Neolithic Revolution about 10,000 years ago. Humans first domesticated plants for farming, then livestock animals to accompany the resulting sedentary societies. The ancient cultures of Mesopotamia, Egypt, the Indian subcontinent, and China, among others, produced renowned surgeons and students of the natural sciences. Reflecting independent, sophisticated systems of natural philosophy. However, the roots of modern biology are usually traced back to the secular traditions of ancient Greek philosophy. In ancient China, biological topics can be found dispersed across several different disciplines, including the work of herpetologists, physicians, alchemists, and philosophers. The Taoist tradition of Chinese alchemy, for example, can be considered part of the life sciences due to its emphasis on health with the ultimate goal being the elixir of life. The system of classical Chinese medicine usually revolved around the theory of yin and yang and the five phases. Taoist philosophers in the fourth century BC also expressed ideas related to evolution such as denying the fixity of biological species and speculating that species had developed differing attributes in response to differing environments. One of the oldest organized systems of medicine is known from the Indian subcontinent in the form of Ayurveda, which originated around 1500 BC from Antharvadvita, one of the four most ancient books of Indian knowledge, wisdom, and culture.
The ancient Indian Ayurveda tradition independently developed the concept of three humors, resembling that of the four humors of ancient Greek medicine. Through the Ayurvedic system included further complications, such as the body being composed of five elements and seven basic tissues. Ayurvedic writers also classified living things into four categories based on the method of birth from the womb, eggs, heat and moisture, and seeds and explained the conception of the fetus in detail. They also made considerable advances in the field of surgery often without the use of human dissection or animal vivisection. One of the earliest Ayurvedic treaties was the Shushrata Samhita attributed to Shushrata in the 6th century BC. It was an early medical book describing 700 medicinal plants, 64 preparations for mineral sources, and 57 preparations based on animal sources. In ancient Egypt, over a dozen medical papyra have been preserved, most notably the Edwin Smith papyrus, the oldest surgical handbook, and the Ebers papyra, a handbook of preparing and using material medicine for various diseases, both from the 16th century BC. Ancient Egypt is also known for developing embalming, which was used for mummification in order to preserve human remains and forestall decomposition. The ancient Greek traditions, the pre-Socratic philosophers asked many questions about life, but produced little systematic knowledge of specifically biological interests, though the attempts of the autonomists to explain life in purely physical terms would recur periodically through the history of biology. However, the medical theories of Hippocrates and his followers, especially humorists, had a lasting impact. The philosopher Aristotle was the most influential scholar of the living world from classical antiquity. Though his early work in natural philosophy was speculative 
Aristotle's later biological writings were more empirical, focusing on biological causation and the diversity of life. He made countless observations of nature, especially the habits and attributes of plants and animals in the world around him, which he devoted considerable attention to categorizing. In all, Aristotle classified 540 animal species and dissected at least 50. He believed that intellectual purposes, formal causes, guide all natural processes. Aristotle, and nearly all Western scholars after him until the 18th century, believed that creatures were arranged in a graded scale of perfection, rising from the plants on up to humans. The scala natura, or great chain of being. Aristotle's successor at the Lyceum, Theophrastus, wrote a series of books on botany, The History of Plants, which survived as the most important contribution of antiquity to botany, even in the Middle Ages. Many of Theophrastus's names survive into modern times, such as Carpos for fruit and Pericarpian for seed vessel. Pliny the Elder was also known for his knowledge of plants and nature and was the most prolific compiler of zoological descriptions. A few scholars in the Hellenistic period under the Ptolemies, particularly Heriophilius of Chalcedon and Aristratus of Chios, amended Aristotle's physiological work, even performing experimental dissections and vivisections. Claudius Gallen became the most important authority on medicine and anatomy, though a few ancient autonomists such as Lucretius challenged the theological Aristotelian viewpoint that all aspects of life are the result of design or purpose. Teleological and after the rise of Christianity, natural theology would remain central to biological thought essentially until the 18th and 19th century. Ernest W. Mayer argued that nothing of any real consequence happened in biology after Lucretius and Gallen until the Renaissance. The ideas of Greek traditions of natural history and medicine survived, 
but they were generally taken unquestionably in medieval Europe. The decline of the Roman Empire led to the disappearance or destruction of much knowledge. Though physicians still incorporated many aspects of the Greek tradition into training and practice. In the Byzantium and Islamic world, many of the Greek works were translated into Arabic and many of the works of Aristotle were preserved. Medieval Muslim physicians, scientists, and philosophers made significant contributions to biological knowledge between the 8th and 13th century during what is known as the Islamic Golden Age or Muslim Agricultural Revolution. In zoology, for example, the Afro-Arab scholar Al-Jahiz described early evolutionary ideas such as the struggle for existence. He also introduced the idea of a food chain and was an early adherent of environmental determinism. The Persian biologist Al-Dinwari authored the Book of Plants in which he described at least 637 species and discussed plant development, plant growth, and the production of flowers and fruit. Persian polymath Abu Rayyan Bernoulli described the idea of artificial selection and argued that nature works in much the same way, an idea that has been compared to natural selection. In experimental medicine, the Persian physician Avicenna introduced clinical trials and clinical pharmacology in the canon of medicine, which remained an authoritative text in European medical education up until the 17th century. The Nandusian Arabian physician Avenzor was an early adherent of experimental dissection and autopsy, which he carried out to prove that the skin diseases, scabies, was caused by a parasite, a discovery which upset the theory of humorism. He also introduced experimental surgery, where animal testing is used to experiment with surgical techniques prior to using them on humans. During the famine of Egypt 
1200 BC. Adel La Latif observed and examined a large number of skeletons, and he discovered that Galen was incorrect regarding the formation of the bones of the lower jaw. In the early 13th century, Arabian biologist Abu Alibas al-Nabibidi developed an early scientific method for botany, introducing empirical and experimental techniques in the testing, description, and identification of numerous materials and separating unverified reports from those supported by actual tests and observations. His student, Ibn al-Bitar, wrote a pharmaceutical encyclopedia describing 1,400 plants, foods, and drugs, 300 of which were his own original discoveries. A Latin translation of his work was useful to European biologists and pharmacists in the 18th and 19th century. The Arabian physician Ibn al-Nafis was another early adherent to experimental dissection and autopsy, who in the year 1242 discovered pulmonary circulation and coronary circulation, which formed the basis of the circulatory system. He also described the concept of metabolism and discredited the incorrect Galnic and Vician theories on the four humors, pulsation, bones, muscles, intestines, sensory organs, esophagus, and stomach. During the High Middle Ages, a few European scholars expanded the natural history canon the rise of European universities, though important for the development of physics and philosophy, had little impact on biological scholarship. The European Renaissance brought expanded interest in both empirical natural history and physiology. In 1543, Andreas Vesalius integrated the modern era of Western medicine with his seminal human anatomy treatise, De Humani Corpus Fabrica, which was based on dissection of corpses. Vesalius was the first in a series of anatomists who gradually replaced scholasticism with empiricalism in physiological and medicine, relying on first-hand experience rather than authority and abstract reasoning. Via herbalism, medicine was also indirectly the source 
of renewed empiricism in the study of plants. Otto Brunfels, Hieronymus Bach, and Lionheart Fuchs wrote extensively on wild plants. The beginning of a nature-based approach to the full range of plant life. Bestiaries, a genre that combined both the natural and figurative knowledge of animals, also became more sophisticated. Artists, such as Leonardo da Vinci, often working with naturalists, were also interested in the bodies of animals and humans, studying physiology in detail and contributing to the growth of anatomical knowledge. The traditions of alchemy and natural magic also laid claim to knowledge of the living world. Alchemists subjected organic matter to chemical analysis and experimented liberally with both biological and mineral pharmacology. This was part of a larger transition in worldviews, the rise of mechanical philosophy that continued into the 17th century. As her traditional metaphor of nature as organism was replaced by the nature as machine metaphor. Systemization, naming and classifying dominated natural history throughout much of the 17th and 18th centuries. Carolus Linnaeus published a basic taxonomy for the natural world in 1735, variations of which have been used ever since. And in the 1750s, introduced scientific names for all his species. While Linnaeus conceived a species as unchanging parts of a design hierarchy, hierarchy, the other great naturalists of the 18th century, George Louis Leclerc, treated species as artificial categories and living forms of malleable, even suggesting the possibility of common descent. Though he was opposed to evolution, Count de Buffon is a key figure in the history of evolutionary thought. His work would influence the evolutionary theories of both Lamarck and Darwin. The discovery and description of new species and the collection of specimens became a passion of scientific gentlemen and a lucrative enterprise for entrepreneurs. Many naturalists traveled the globe in search of scientific knowledge and adventure.
extending the work of Vesalius into experiments on still living bodies of both human and animals, William Harvey and other natural philosophers investigated the roles of blood, veins, and arteries. Harvey's De Motu Cordis in the year 1628 was the beginning of the end for Galenic theory and alongside Centurio Centauri's studies of metabolism it served as an influential model of quantitative approaches to physiology. In the early 17th century, the micro world of biology was just beginning to open up. A few lens makers and natural philosophers had been creating crude microscopes since the late 16th century and Robert Hooke published the seminal Micrographia based on observations with his own compound microscope in the year 1665. But it was not until Antony von Leeuwenhoek's dramatic improvements in lens making beginning in the year 1670 ultimately producing up to 200 times magnification with a single lens that scholars discovered spermazoa, bacteria, and the sheer strangeness and diversity of microscopic life. Similar investigations by Jean Swimmerdam led to new interest in entomology and built the basic techniques of microscopic dissection and strain staining. As the microscopic world was expanding, the macroscopic world was shrinking. Botanists such as John Ray worked to incorporate the flood of newly discovered organisms shipped from across the globe into a coherent taxonomy and a coherent theology, which became natural theology. Debate over another flood, the Neochean, catalyzed the, develop, the development of paleontology. In 1669, Nicholas Steno published an essay on how the remains of living organisms could be trapped in the layers of sediment and mineralized to produce fossils. Although Steno's ideas about fossilization were well known and much debated among natural philosophers, an organic origin for all fossils would not be accepted by all naturalists until the end of the 18th century due to the physiological and theological debate about issues such as the age of the earth and extinction.
Up through the 19th century, the scope of biology was largely divided between medicine, which investigated questions of form and function, and natural history, which was concerned with the diversity of life and the interactions among different forms of life and between life and non-life. By 1900, much of these domains overlapped, while natural history and its counterpart natural philosophy had largely given way to more specialized scientific disciplines. Cytology, bacteriology, morphology, embryology, geography, and geology. Widespread travel by naturalists in the early to mid-19th century resulted in a wealth of new information about the diversity and distribution of living organisms. Of particular importance was the work of Alexander von Humboldt, which analyzed the relationship between organisms and their environment using the quantitative approach of natural philosophy, which is physics and chemistry. Humboldt's work laid the foundations of biogeography and inspired several generations of scientists. The emerging discipline of geology also brought natural history and natural philosophy closer together. The establishment of the stratigraphic column linked the spatial distributions of organisms to their temporal distribution, a key precursor to the concepts of evolution. George Cuvier and others made great strides in comparative anatomy and paleontology in the late 1790s and early 19th century. In a series of lectures and papers that made detailed comparisons between living mammals and fossil remains, Cuvier was able to establish that the fossils were remains of species that had become extinct. Rather than being remains of species still alive elsewhere in the world, as had widely been believed. Fossils discovered and described by Gideon Mantell, William Buckland, Mary Anion, and Richard Owen, among others, helped establish that there had been an age of reptiles that had preceded even the prehistoric mammals. These discoveries 
captured the public's imagination and focused attention on the history of the life on Earth. Most of these geologists held to catastrophism, but Charles Lyell's influential Principles of Geology, written in 1830, popularized Hutton's Uniformitarianism, a theory that explained the geological past and present on equal terms. The most significant evolutionary theory before Darwin's was that of Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, based on the inheritance of acquired characteristics, an inheritance mechanism that was widely accepted until the 20th century. It described a chain of development stretching from the lowliest microbe to humans. The British naturalist, Charles Darwin, combining the biogeographical approach of Humboldt, the uniformitarian geology of Lyell, Thomas Malthus's writings on population growth, and his own morphological expertise, created a more successful evolutionary theory based on natural selection. Similar evidence led Alfred Russell Wallace to independently reach the same conclusions. The 1859 publications of Darwin's theory on the origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggles for life is often considered the central event in the history of modern biology. Darwin's established credibility as a naturalist, the sober tone of his work, and most of all, the sheer strength and volume of evidence presented, allowed origin to succeed where the previous evolutionary works such as the anonymous vestiges of creation had failed. Most scientists were convinced of evolution and common descent by the end of the 19th century. However, natural selection would not be accepted as the primary mechanism of evolution until well into the 20th century, as most contemporary theories of heredity seem incompatible with the inheritance of the random variations. Your journey is now ending.
are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. From the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet? Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.